Alright, what the fuck is up, people? This is Ron Sense. This is Ron. We are back. I think this, you know, this uh, episode here, I kind of didn't have a whole lot of plans, but I think we'll kind of do another little um, sports recap from the weekend and, and slash throughout this week thus far. Uh, as it's well, Wednesday afternoon uh, slash night, whatever, that, as I'm recording this. So... Uh, I think obviously, right, the the biggest news out there in the sporting world is uh, Naomi Osaka dropping out of the uh, Roland Garros, right, the French Open. I think that there's been the biggest buzz on that. I don't know if I have, like, a, a, a lot to offer on this exactly i mean i'm not i'm not gonna pretend i'm the biggest tennis guy i i actually really do enjoy watching tennis but i don't watch it that much so that's kind of one of those things um that like i i wish it's one of those things i wish i watched more and it's something i wish i played more actually because it's really fun and it's so hard but i think in part that has to do with how much of tennis is played outside of the u.s and so the time zones just get a little wonky and and whatnot so it's it's kind of hard to keep up with at the same pace as um, most other sports, at least that I tend to watch. But I do think like as a general thing, I think that this was a fucking awesome move by Naomi Osaka. I I mean, the one thing that I was curious about though, like from the perspective of like kind of to to keep herself moving is if she shouldn't have just pulled the Marshawn Lynch and just answer everything with like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just here so I don't get fined, blah, blah, blah. Because it, it does seem like, this kind of usage of social media to then kind of be like, uh, you know, I tried to talk to them, whatever. It's not not working out anymore. We're not. And, and then kind of like another a follow up of like, you know, for like my own mental health, whatever. I'm dropping out because basically, right, the the four majors kind of come down after she's like, I'm not doing media interviews or whatever. And they're like, no, nah, that's not fucking happening. Like they go ballistic on on her. Um in a way that, I, like, I guess I get it. Like, I, I get it I from, like, where they're coming from of, like, they can't suddenly be like, oh, yeah, media is optional. But I've always been of this belief, by the way, that the post-game interviews are fucking useless. Like, they're so boring. Who watch? like, honestly, who watches the post-game interviews, right? Like, who actually watches the post-game interviews? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think anybody actually, like, cares to watch the post-game interviews uh, on on any of this shit, right? Who the fuck cares? Nothing interesting ever gets said, right? Like, nobody is, like, watching a a tennis match, for example, or or any sporting event, and they're just going like, oh my god, this, can we get this event fucking over with? Because, like, I just need the post-game interview. Nobody fucking cares about that. So what the fuck are we doing? Like, why, sh- like, why should the athletes care about it when the fucking, like, the consumer doesn't care about it? This is just to fucking, like, make the media feel more, like, self-important. Like, she doesn't want to do it. Who the fuck cares? Like, people are interested in her for playing tennis, not for fucking post-game interviews. So, it's... You know, it's just one of those things to me that it just doesn't really make any sense. Like, it, what are we doing here? Should, like, what what is the most profound thing that, like, anybody's pretty much ever said on a post-game interview? I, I mean, okay, right, like, that's probably a bad question. Because certainly, like, people do sometimes say, like, shit, you know, right? They say stuff, like, they're big talkers, whatever. But on a whole... The like post game interviews go like this: If you won, the question is, uh, "Are you so happy you won? What did you do to prepare for this?" Well, you know, I'm of course, you know, I'm really happy I won. I, I just I got to thank my coaches. I got to thank my team. You know, my parents. Uh, you know, maybe someone throws in like, "I got to thank God," and you know, all power to him and and whatnot. Blah blah blah. Right, and and then they're like, you know. I just, I had to work hard and I just had to, you know, stay on the plan and blah, blah. And then, and then, okay. So I've basically, I just did like 95% of post game 
co- conferences, like when someone wins. Here's when someone loses. Here's a question. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine you're you're very you're disappointed with this loss. What do you feel like? You know, wasn't working for you, and and blah blah, and then like they might specifically point out like a you know, hey, on this set or whatever, like you look particularly out of sorts, which is like obviously very derogatory, right? Like it's 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 very it's not derogatory, I guess it's accusatory, right? It's not coming, it's not inquisitive. It's hey, you remember this part of the match where you lost and you like really particularly sucked right there. Could you like, you know, go into that detail right now? Do you think like that'd be okay? Like, it, you know, like they are uh, trying to elicit a response from you that like is not about genuine interest about how would you actually fix that, right? Like how would how would a, another young tennis player or whatever, uh, you know, look at that and then be able to say like, hey, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better, right? They're asking because they 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 essentially just want you to have to relive this like bad moment. So here here goes, here goes like the losers. Yeah, you know, I, obviously I'm, I'm really disappointed with uh, how, you know, things turned out. I, I feel like there were some things that, you know, were going well or that I was doing all right. And then you you know there was just too many mistakes though there's you know the the mistakes outweighed you, you know the good the good plays and the good moves or whatever you know and so i'm just going to have to go back i'm going to have to look at it you know obviously you saw like that that specific moment i i just was not good and we're going to have to go back we're going to have to look at the tape i'm going to have to talk to my coaches and you know we're really upset with the result and and so you know we're just going to have to go back and we're going to have to work like boom. Okay, you guys can cl- clip both of those segments, and like that is gonna cover like ninety five percent of fucking post game press conferences for any sport. Like done. There you go. It is all boilerplate because there is no. Like it is not possible immediately after the match, win or lose. To yet be in the mental state to actually analyze what just happened. Right? Like, you can't break it down. And because so much of it feels like a blur in the moment. Like, like part of why athletics is so impressive, right? Especially at the highest level. Is what... in to some degree of what happened is happening is subconscious, right? It's muscle memory. It's react. It's acting and reacting. Like there aren't like this, you know, you're not kind of sitting there in this flash of like processing power. Like it's happening without you like sort of consciously addressing every single thought that goes through your head. So even though you could later apply conscious thought to everything, right? You could put this, like superposition of your conscious thoughts over how you performed and it would essentially be exactly right right there's all the time you do something and afterward like and you just do it but like in the moment it wasn't as if you actually had like this scroll of words going across in your head like you know you got to do this you got to do that you got to do this you got to do that but afterwards, you could say, that's all what was going on, because it was. It's just not something that was happening consciously. And so, like, the idea that one could suddenly <clears throat> be able to break that analysis down without also being able to actually even re-watch what was happening is, it's obviously impossible, like, and certainly, like, you're still in this, like, intensely mentally drained and emotional state. Either way, right? Like, win or lose, you're physically and mentally exhausted. Especially in tennis. Like, holy shit. You are so exhausted. And then, like, emotionally, you are either at, like, a very high or a very low. Which are both terrible emotional states to be in. When it comes to trying to be analytical or like particularly 
eloquent with your words or even generally sociable. Like sometimes, you, you know what I mean? Like, cause maybe that sounds weird because of the idea of like, oh, you know, I, I'm so happy. I'm so thrilled with my win that like somehow, uh, you know, like that makes you a better person to be around. And it's like sort of, but like not, not like from like the perspective of, um, you know, that they're providing such interesting conversation or whatever. Like they are just like, they give off like good energy and you like that. But like that person is not in that moment really able to have like strong, like conversation with you, like, like in a way that they as like a normal person usually is like, they're so outside of their upper and lower bands of like normal emotional state that it's just like, everything is just, out of whack right so and especially i think that this is like especially true with individual sports and like this is the other aspect that uh i i think can't get overlooked but in individual sports in particular and this i have like you know with having been a wrestler for most of my life i i i really understand like there there's a really intense difference right like i i played a lot of sports growing up but the sports i played the longest for my life, right? Were wrestling and football. And I, I played baseball for a decent amount of time too. But the point being, right, I played I, I played in an individual sport and I played in a team sport. So I've I've experienced both sides of this. And and I can tell you like the good and the bad about an individual sport, right, is that when when you lose, it's very clear who is to blame, right? Like, that's on you. And in a way that feels really good, I I mean, obviously it feels really bad, right? But in a way it feels good because that is in your control now, right? You can go back and work on you. Like, compared to like the team sport where it's sort of like, if somebody else fucked up and like you lose as a result, like, sure, you can kind of go back and say, oh, well, I made this mistake here and I made this mistake here. And, and maybe like out of this series of chain reactions and events, like things go differently if I just don't mess up. But like the reality is, is like your mistake did not individually cost the game. But in an individual sport, it does. And that is an immense amount of pressure to constantly be under, right? Like for the full duration of your uh, competition, you cannot be anything less than 100%. Like, is basically the necessity, right? I, I mean, the reality is, is we're not 100%, but the, the idea is like, you can't rely on your opponent to make mistakes, right? You can't win by you making mistakes and just hoping your opponent makes more mistakes. You will win sometimes that way. But you cannot rely on that. And certainly at the highest levels of sport, you cannot rely on that being how, like, the reality. So the, the you have to clo- get as close to 100% as you possibly can be. Uh, so essentially, you have to get to a near robotic level of playing ability, which is insanely stressful. So that is all to say that it even it amplifies even further that experience in the post game press conference right the idea that like you have just gone through and especially in tennis like where it's like hours hours these matches right and you have just endured a that match but also that match is the accumulation of you know, months, days, months, years of work and preparation. And so there's this, it, it's not only that, it's like this, an accumulation of, of work. And, and there's such a decompression that it's just, it, it's simply un, untenable. And, and frankly, like, and this is the other thing, right? And this is like what I'm saying, like, this is all about like making journalists like feel more, like self-worth because for some reason like the athletes should be catering to them uh but if like the journalists were really smart right like if these entities were really smart they would know that you would actually 
actually get better content and better information if you asked the player about like that match or whatever like the next day or like two days down the road because here's what also would happen is they would have already gone through the analysis themselves they would have already broken it down they already would have gotten their emotions back into a more level they would have already accepted the result and i know from like the perspective of like well how do you interview the winner afterwards well who the fuck again the winner isn't gonna give you anything all that interesting so why what like and and so if you're gonna lose like the loser actually can give potentially more like good info and detail and emotion like the winner is boilerplate we all know the winner is going to be the same thing like every time so like you would actually get a better more quality content if you spoke to the loser after some time not walking off the fucking court so this that's that's one of the things to me it, that is like, I mean, if like, if the idea is right, that these journalists want to get good content and coverage, because I, I get where the, the journalists and the, uh, t- you know, tennis is kind of coming from here of part of why, like, so people watch you because you play tennis, right? But there's a lot of people who play tennis and there's a lot of people who play tennis very well. And, of course, this event is designed to show that you are playing tennis better than everybody else, right? But but part of how that event comes to be is the spectacle around it, which comes in part from, you know, coverage from the media, media building up the event, media building up the characters, building up the athletes, building up the stories, Right, telling the stories so that the people, the consumer, can start to relate to you and to feel the weight of the tournament, and, and that's part right. Is like you want the consumer to feel the weight of the tournament, in part because you want the consumer to feel a fraction of the weight that the athlete feels. It's part of why you get like in team sports, right? You want you want fans to be fans of teams because then they are feeling the team in the same way in individual sports. You're feeling that individual athlete. But like somehow we can understand that A, they're feeling something, right? And that B, we are feeling something and it's fractions of what they're feeling. And in many cases, we see it all the time, right? With fans who are so intensely passionate about what's going on, you know, and you, you see like they're all upset and they're all happy and whatever, like based on these results. And their feelings are fractions of that of the athlete, like the athlete, the person who's actually in the competition. So like, how can we not then kind of do the math there in terms of how much that athlete is feeling and how much they're enduring constantly? Because, you you know, we do kind of look at it like, oh, you know, they're playing a game, right? They get to play a game for a living. But, like, there's a reason you don't play a game for a living, okay? Right? For those of us who do not play a game for a living, there are a lot of benefits, you know, outside of, obviously, the difference in the bank account, right? Like, that's the thing, like... um you know, is sort of like I've seen. I heard somebody say this at, at at some point. You know, about like when it comes to like fan the fan athlete relationship, where they're sort of like, do you actually want to be the athlete, or do you just want their bank account? Because of course, we want their bank account. Of course, they are making ungodly amounts of money. But also, let's not forget their lifespan is very short, and also the vast majority of them do not make very much money like because we obviously we saw like how much money naomi osaka made last year it was like you know whatever 50 or 60 million dollars from endorsements and all that like made insane amounts of money she was like 23 years old like she's set for life if she wanted to be 
but like for every one of her there's like a hundred tennis players like just like desperate to stay on the tour and like that are her age or younger and if they don't maintain their their status on the tour and they just can't succeed as a tennis player they have invested their entire life into something that they they are now unable to actually make a living off of right like there's that pressure like that's what you you know like we talk about like in the NFL right the NFL like the average contract in the NFL or like the average lifespan of someone's career in the NFL is like 3 years or 3 and a half years and you can say oh well you know they they make good money yeah okay so someone who has made it to the NFL who is basically just they went all in on their gamble of they're going to be a professional athlete. They go into the NFL for three years and they make, you know, it, maybe let's say they're a first round pick. So maybe they make, you know, depending on where they're at in the first round or, or the, and, and this is like first round's kind of high. So let's say like second round, right? They make like, you know, whatever, uh, maybe what, five to $10 million, maybe not even probably over that three years. And then they're done. And not to mention how much they paid in taxes and their agent fees and stuff like that. And suddenly they have like, you know, maybe $2 million or something like that left over for themselves. But now they don't actually have a way to like continue being employed. Right? Like they don't, they don't have very many skills available like at least based on the fact that like they probably went to school well a right a lot of athletes who get drafted and that in that case they they probably didn't finish school so that's obviously like that creates a difficulty uh and if they did go to school they they many of them choose major majors that just make it easy for them to focus on football or basketball or whatever well Many of those majors tend to be pretty easy, which means a lot of people take it. And it also means it doesn't tend to lead to a lot of job opportunities. So then what? What is the athlete supposed to do? So there is that pressure that you're not trying to be the that like that average length of, of a lifespan because you won't make enough money in that time period to actually live the remainder of your life after you're not that athlete anymore. You know, like, and you know, like a lot of, a lot of people, right. You could be thinking right now, like, Oh yeah. You know, give me $2 million right now. And like, uh, you know, I'll be good. But I, I, I'd contest if, if I gave you $2 million right now, would you quit your job or would you retire right now? And you think like at whatever you might be, 20 some odd years old, you actually think you would just make it until you until you die. I mean, we see case after case of lottery winners blowing all their money away. Like the idea that you would be able to be financially prudent enough to make sure that that money lasts is maybe, but it's a lot of risk. Like, you know, like that you would actually just not work again. Between, you know, the moment you get that money and, you know, the the day you die. That could be 50 years that you have to make that money last, right? Could you really do that? I don't know. I don't think I could. I, like, I don't think so. I, I'm... So, uh, you know, I've, I've taught... Like, if I won the lottery, if I won a million bucks, I would not be walking in and quitting my job. I mean... Like, you know, at best it would be like I'd quit my job to do like some other easier job or like part time, but I would not just stop working, right? Like I, I would not just suddenly be like, okay, time to not do anything to create income anymore. Like, un yeah, it just wouldn't happen. So I, I, I think that that pressure in itself, like obviously Naomi Osaka is on the other side of it, right? She has reached the amount of money where she could stop at 23 years old. And she will last, if she wanted to, on that money, 
Like, without a problem. Yes, I agree. But, like, you are living with that pressure up until that moment. And then what? Like, it, that, like, it's, it's like you can look and say, well, I'm on the other side, but it's like a near death experience almost, right? Like, it's, you, just, just because you didn't die doesn't mean that the moment doesn't haunt you. Like, just, just because you, you survive, like, that moment doesn't mean that, like, you ever fully forget it. And, and so, like, in that way, like, that, like, man, if, what if I had gotten hurt at this tournament? What if I hadn't won that match that, like, came down to, like, you, you know, the last set, whatever, whatever it is, right? Like, maybe I don't get here. Like, and then maybe I don't, maybe I don't win the U.S. Open. Maybe I don't become famous. Maybe I don't end up making enough money to, to make it last. Maybe I don't be able, be able to make a career as a tennis player. And all of this happens, like, before you're 20 years old. I mean, I gotta be honest, I didn't have that level of fucking weighty shit on me at 20 years old. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's really young to, like, have to, to really have to process that magnitude of, of shit. So, like, and trust me, for the longest time, I've been the guy who's like, well, they get paid a lot. And and I still do believe, like, hey, you know, you do get paid a lot. And, like, you can't just not acknowledge that, like, that's what, you know, it's um, it's like uh, the scene in Mad Men, right? Where, like, Don Draper's like, that's what the money's for. Like, because I think, like, Peggy's, like, upset about something or other because, like, something's hard. And she's feels like she's being abused or whatever it was. I, I forget exactly what it was. But, like, Peggy, like, is coming to Don, you know, upset about something and... And Don basically just says, that's what the money's for. Like, there is a certain degree of that. There is a, in part, there is a reason you get paid the money that you do. Like, because you are making more of a sacrifice, like, in a, in a way, right? It, it's not free money. Uh, like, let's put it that way. You, you know, cause I don't want to say you're making more of a sacrifice than anybody else. Cause there's obviously like, you know, I, I do certainly have my gripes about how, um, people get paid certainly like you know, you compare athletes getting paid to like doctors that are saving people's lives and shit like that and like uh, obviously y- you know as far as social value goes like who's providing more so that kind of stuff like of course we could get into that but w- w- like my point being is it's not free money and there is legitimate sacrifice associated with getting it um, and there's a reason that very very few people ever actually attain it right like there's a like a handful of people that attain the success that naomi osaka has right like it is the the path to the altar at which she you know or the throne that she now sits is littered with bodies that did not make it littered with bodies that did not make it and especially in a sport like tennis like where it starts really young, you know, think about tennis and soccer and stuff like that. So like, she's going pro straight out of like high school. Like, and she, I, I don't know if she went to IMG, but a lot of these kids, they go to IMG, like they go to a high school that is basically just designed for them to play sports. Like, again, not like it's giving you that much of a second option in case, like, in case tennis doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Right? Like, Everybody, like, when we, you know, for those of us who went to college, right, when you're going to go to college, you have your fallback plan, right? You have the school where it's like, okay, if I can't get into where I want to get into, at least I can get into here. Like, if I can't get into this major, then this is the major I'd want to do. Like, all that kind of stuff, right? You have the fallback plan. What's the fallback plan in, in this case, right? You are pushing your chips all into the center, and you're pushing all of your chips into the center at, like, 16 years old. Like you are, you are dictating your future at, to that magnitude at like, you know, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Like that, that kind of shit's like heavy, man. Like think you want, like you think about yourself now, like, right, I'm 28. Do I want 16 year old me telling 28 year old me how to be living my life at the moment? Like, do I want 16 year old me 
to have that much control over 28 year old me, like in my decisions. I, I not really, not really. And I don't, and I feel like I was a pretty like, you know, tame 16 year old. Like, so that, that I think is a lot of stuff that doesn't get thought about. Like when you think about athletes, um, at that level and like, and I think that that, at least to me, has has provided a lot more uh, perspective when it comes to like how an athlete can like Naomi Osaka can win the U.S. Open and then say that you know at, for the years after now that she struggled with bouts of depression because it's like you think about it like how like you you've achieved such high success like you're on top of the world you have all this money like you're one of the best at what you do like you're better at tennis than most like ninety nine percent of people in the world are at whatever it is that they've chose to specify, like be good at, right? Like, you know, she's better at tennis than I am at podcasting or being an electrical engineer or at like at video games or whatever the fuck, right? Like she's better than, she's better at tennis than fucking like, you know, whatever, like, I don't know. Chris Paul is at basketball. Like, just like coming up, you know, like people who are insanely good at what they do. She's better at tennis than they are what they do. Like that's the level at which she's at. And so you're like, how could you be depressed? Well, because like, look at the weight of her life that just sits on her shoulders every day. Like, you know, like that's a lot. It's a lot. And so not to mention, like, there's also the thing of like, when you achieve that point, um, like, because this ca- kind of happened with Tyson Fury, right? Also in boxing, like Tyson Fury reaches the top in boxing. It's like all he's done his whole life is fighting. And then he gets there and then it's like, and now what? Like, I basically reached the point that like, I've strived to reach my entire life, but like, now what? So where do I go next? Like, which is kind of right. We, we kind of think about like a lot of times we want to, um, set goals for ourselves that like, we, uh, you almost, it's like you want to set goals that you don't think you can achieve because like, of course, that's going to try and that's going to motivate you to try and achieve more than you believe you can achieve. And in most cases, we don't get to them, but in some cases you do. And then what, <laughs> you know, and then what, what happens next? How, how do you, how do you move the goalpost again? So that like you continue to motivate yourself and feel like you have purpose and like that, what you're doing continues to fulfill you like so i i I mean i don't know i this is a long-winded thing on the naomi osaka thing but it's just like my point is like i get it and i i feel like i get how that can like really uh cause someone to feel like mentally drained at the very least and also that like could really make you feel like when like that people are kind of out to get you in a way, right? Like that these journalists don't actually care about your success. They only care about, they don't care about your success. They only care about the fact that you're currently successful and that they can basically create content off of you for them to, you know, they're kind of leeching off of you in a way, right? And, but the thing is, is that they're leeching off your success and you better damn be sure that they will also leech off your failure. And like, that's something that like, I I mean, I can tell you right now in my job, like if I, so, cause also remember, like, it's not like these journalists, like, it's not like they work for the same company, right? It's not like Naomi and this journalist are fucking, you know, clocking in their time card for the same, you know, for the to get a paycheck from the same company. Like, right. Like they do not, they are not working together in that way. Right. Like the same way that you might, like if you were to question a colleague at work or your boss at work, or your boss was to question you, like that would be one thing. Right. Because like, there's also a, a clear motivation for you to both be in the same direction. Okay. But if like some random person who is not in your profession, right? Like whatever it is that you do, 
Like if I'm an electrical engineer, like because I am. If someone comes to me who's not an electrical engineer and, um, you, you know, like, let's say whatever, they're fucking, they're in finance. Let's just go with something that's just obviously different. And like, they come to me and they're questioning all of my decision making under like the sort of, um, you know, argumentative tone, basically, of acting as if they know more than I do about my field. Why wouldn't I feel, like, frustrated by that person? You would, like, in vice versa, if I came to the finance person, acted like I knew more than them, despite them pouring a lot of their life into, like, doing what they do, like, they would rightfully be kind of fucking annoyed with me, right? Like, so why is it that somehow now... Naomi has to exist in this world where somebody who has not like worked at her craft like comes to her and then like somehow should criticize her basically like I I guess you know it's just one of those like it's just one of those things where it's like it, it it seems pretty obvious like if you were to do like kind of do this under a different circumstance that like someone would be like yo like fuck off all right like leave me alone for a little bit um but like i said i mean i do get it that like the 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 media is necessary because the media is how you get the consumer interested and it's how you get to the consumer and like you know now that she is where she is her social media is huge but like her social media like, grew because the media grew her image for her, right? I mean, in a way. I mean, she grows her image herself by being a great tennis player, obviously. But, like, there's plenty of great tennis players that don't get, like, that coverage, right? Like, I mean, it depends on this, you know, the scope. But to be honest, like, now again, this is where I'm not, like, a, a big tennis guy, but I couldn't name every U.S. Open champion. Like... And now, obviously, I guess what helps is that Serena's won so fucking many that there's not that many to even look at out, outside of her and Naomi Osaka at this point. But, like, I couldn't name every one. And I couldn't tell you if all of them really went on to continue to be successful or popular or whatever, right? Like, and that's what I mean is, like, that, like, there are people who reach similar levels of ability who don't get the same level of stardom. It happens, right? Like, so I don't mean to say that, like, the media is necessary for it, but, like, without them, it probably, you know, it's it's a symbiotic relationship, I guess, in that way, right? Like, um, like you know, even if Naomi Saka stopped playing tennis today, like, she would still be this amazing tennis player. And let's say she just played fucking pickup tennis at, like, her local court, whatever. Like, she'd still be this amazing tennis player who, like, if people knew about her, would be, like, the best tennis player in the world or one of the best tennis players in the world. But obviously, all she's doing is fucking beating up on people at the local tennis court. No one at a national scale or international scale is really going to care about this person who's just, you know, kind of beating randos at the court. And the the media is certainly not going to cover it. I mean, now they would because of who, how famous she is. But I'm just saying, like, let's say, like, just before she gets to winning the U.S. Open, like, you just take, like, a parallel universe where she just stops tennis at that moment and, like, go, like, professional tennis and just starts to do that instead. Like, has the same talent and ability, like, and, and like, work ethic and whatnot. Uh, I mean, do we know about her then? Of course not, because she's not playing professional tennis. And a part of what makes professional tennis is that professional, like, that it gets the attention. So it it, it is a, a chicken or the egg kind of thing, I guess. So, like, it's sort of like both are necessary in a way. So I, I do kind of get that, that there is that aspect. But I just got to be honest. I don't think specifically that the post-game interview fucking matters at all as it relates to that. Like, I know that this really tangented, you know, tangented off into, like, a whole lot of things. But, like, my point is, 
that like no one like I don't think that she's saying the media is not necessary and like all she's saying is I don't want to do the fucking post game interview and fine because who the fuck cares about the post game interview like you could cover her story you could cover what she's doing without her having to sit down for the post game interview it's not going to be interesting anyways like it never is for anybody like it's not an indictment on her it's never interesting for anybody no one like 99% of people their post game interview is not interesting win or lose not interesting right like and it's also like you have examples like where where in in the course of post game interviews right where like you see like players get really fucking argumentative with the media and and then like for the longest time the media basically bashes that player like they just try and fucking hammer him back into place how dare you fucking question us the players say how dare you fucking question me why is it that you get to say how dare you question us but like i can't push back you know like there's famous stuff right like a little while back with like russell westbrook got like really into it with a media person back when he was on okc i think at that time but you know you see it all the time um like who else even here's here's one right the kirk cousins you like that you like that because prior to that moment where like he had like that excellent you know that excellent play where the you know at the then at the time washington redskins like win a game when they were kind of miserable and there's like so much fucking criticism of Kirk Cousins. Like he's coming up, he's like, you like that? You like that because fuck you, you've been shitting on me for weeks. Like, and I'm fucking sick of it. Like, so yeah, like what? Like, so he's saying you like that because like, fuck you. Like, and that should go to t- tell you, by the way, how much of a problem, like, the media is in the way that they treat the athletes when, like, after that moment of, like, Kirk Cousins, like, has this amazing play that's, like, you know, A, great for his career and his pocketbook because, in part, like, that kept him alive to then get, you, you know, that job in Minnesota. Um, but, like, that, like, his initial thoughts is, like, he's basically coming off the field was to, like fucking put it in the media's face and say like fuck you fuck you for shitting on me like i can play this game like i deserve to be here so fuck off so in that sense you you know i feel like it's actually very relatable in a lot of ways like that i mean no one likes to be doubted and no one likes and certainly no one likes to be doubted by people who sort of are like at the same time trying to be buddy buddy with you because their job relies on you Right. I mean, they they're like they don't really have a job without you for the most part, you you know, or certainly you being so good at your job that they basically get to leech off of you. So I feel like that that's kind of like the big uh, news, I I guess, from from this past weekend. And frankly, I mean, all of this is, I guess, a little bit of a smokescreen and in some way, right, that. Naomi Osaka traditionally has not done that well on clay nor on grass, which are both the two majors that are coming up here. Uh, And so, look, I mean, if she doesn't really want to deal with playing on a surface she's not strong on and doesn't want to deal with the headaches that come along with being in the public eye for the next couple of weeks, like, why not? Why not just take it off and whatever? It draws some attention to some, like, questions that are worth asking about how journalists conduct themselves uh, especially within the sports setting so what's it seems like it's a perfectly reasonable stance for her to take and, and it's kind of like one of those things where you're sort of like well i mean what the fuck I don't, I just don't understand like the blowback. And I know a lot of people really are on her side for the most part, but I I don't understand the blowback entirely. But anyways, you know, outside of that, I I guess, right, we've we've got our NBA and NHL playoffs going on as I discussed last week. And uh, let's see right now, what is it? Uh, coming towards the end of the third quarter in the Hawks Knicks game, this game was really good up up to halftime, and now look at this: it's Hawks up by sixteen points, seventy four fifty eight. I mean, 
It looks like the Knicks are probably going to walk on out of the playoffs here because uh, this should that would clinch the series. That's pretty surprising. This Knicks team was actually pretty fun to watch. So, you know, whatever. But again, right, we like we discussed next week, do we really need Knicks fans that much more in our lives? Probably not. Uh, it's also interesting because the Hawks, I, I forget who their coach, what their coach's name was, that they fired in the middle of the season and since then have literally been insane. And a lot of people were sort of like, well, this looks like it was like ra- like racism that inspired the, the firing of the Hawks coach. But then, you know, obviously it's a lot of those people. I, I guess the problem is, is like those people like who do sort of like the uh, boy who cried wolf on on racism within sports and whatnot really seem to do a disservice for like when there's legitimate cases of it. And they also don't really have to eat their words on this either, right? They can just kind of move it along as if, like, what has happened since that firing, you, you know, it's so... In in that regard, I think, like... And obviously, they, they like, they filled the position with another black coach. Like, this wasn't so... It was really obnoxious at the time that like everyone really was pushing this like as it was as if it was like a racism thing and it was like uh, I I mean evidently they it seems like they made the right decision and certainly you can't I I don't know how you can really claim it given who like they filled the position with they they maintained having like a a, a black coach represent the team so I don't know but the Hawks are good the Hawks are good and I mean Trey Young's really balling so. Uh, that's good for them. You know, I feel like it's it's nice to see the Hawks in there. Why not? You know? Uh, and then, uh, what? We got later the Grizzlies and Jazz. The Jazz are looking like they're going to be on, on their way through the Grizzlies. Mavericks and Clippers is quite the good series at 2-2. That's on at fucking 10 p.m. Ugh. Eastern time, man. I swear to God. Uh, what is this? Uh, oh yeah, and the Sixers looks like they're gonna finish out the Wizards. That game was also looking close for a little while there. So, um, and a great game out of the Blazers Nuggets. So that that series has been nothing short of f- fucking spectacular. The Nets walk over the Celtics. No surprise there. The Celtics have really been pathetic. Uh, the Suns just absolutely slapped the Lakers last night, and now the Lakers are on the precipice of uh, getting bonged, which would be hilarious, especially after LeBron like quits on the team when they're down by thirty points. It's just great. It's it really is. It's just like it's one of those things. You know, it's like I said, I'm kind of an irrational hater of LeBron, but I, I mean, when he does shit like that, you know, what's particularly likable about him in that in that situation huh and uh, i think that pretty much covers what all is going on in basketball uh i i mean the bucks swept the heat the, the heat just looked pathetic so that's sad it's sad to see the team you know who makes it represents the eastern conference in the finals last year can't make it out of the first round especially against a team that they swept last year but I mean, there is a lot to say about like the the personnel changes that the Bucks made last from last year. Even though they were a better regular season team last year, they're a better postseason team this year because of the personnel that they have around. I have always been a big Drew Holiday fan ever since he was like down in New Orleans. I and what I guess before that the Seventy Sixers, right? Uh, or do I have that backwards? One of the one of the other though, right? And. I felt like he didn't get nearly the appreciation for how good of a player that he is. Um, and so it's, you know, it's good to see. Uh, it, it's it's good to see that, uh, y- you know, that they're, uh, that he's, I don't know, in, on a good team in a good situation. I, it's a very formidable team. I mean, we'll see. And especially, I mean, if the Lakers end up bonged out in the first round of the Western Conference, then the Western Conference gets really interesting, I guess. As for hockey, right, so I know that the uh, Lightning knocked out the Panthers. That was a good series. I mean, as hockey always does, right, it's 
The Canadians end up knocking out the uh, Maple Leafs, which makes it like the Maple Leafs have lost in like nine consecutive uh, knockout round games. Like when they had the chance to move on and they lost. I mean, that's so fucking pathetic. Um, and let's see. So what? Yeah, yesterday the Lightning and the Hurricanes played last night. Lightning uh, win. Uh, yeah, and I guess that was what? Game two. So Lightning are already up two games to uh, on the Hurricanes. Um, hopefully the Hurricanes can get more into that series because that that would that could be like a really fun series. Uh, let's see who, what else do we got going on here? Right. So, oh yeah. Islanders, uh, tie up the series against the Bruins. Yeah. The Islanders knocking out the Penguins. I mean, how fucking pathetic are the Penguins, by the way? I mean, what a sad fucking team. Uh, oh yeah. On Sunday, the Avalanche just rained on the Golden Knights, which is insane. So I, I mean, it goes to show you how fucking good the Avalanche are clearly. Uh, let's see. Because, uh, yeah, the Golden Knights finished off the Wild, which they actually took that to Game 7, which was impressive. I did not think that the Wild were going to take that to Game 7. Uh, i got to be honest with you. And uh, I don't think that there was anything else really of note. I mean, the the really good teams in hockey thus far have kind of been showing up. So, But, like I said, I mean, this. I feel like this Predators... Uh, or Predators, the fuck am I talking about? Uh, the uh, Hurricanes Lightning series could be good, but it's already uh, a 2-0 lead. Canadians Jets. I mean, the Canadians are laying it onto the Jets right now. We're already we're in the third period, and Canadians up three one. So we'll see how the Knights and Avalanche game goes later at ten fucking p.m. Not gonna watch that shit. So. Yeah, I think that's that that kind of covers us on sports for for a little update here and uh, appreciate y'all's time. Peace out. <laughs>